Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, sponsored by ACR, America's card room, where we still have our inaugural mystery bounty tournament actively running right now with starting day ones every two hours and this sunday june 25th it's the very exciting day two of this five hundred thousand dollar guaranteed mystery bounty tournament with a fifty thousand dollar top bounty prize my name is clayton fletcher and i'm excited not only about the acr mystery bounty running this week but also I'm excited about everything that's been happening for me right here in fabulous Las Vegas. I made day two of the Mystery Bounty Tournament that they're running at the Wynn Hotel and Casino Resort and Spa, which is right here in fabulous Las Vegas at the northern end of the Strip. This tournament has a $2,200 buy-in with a $2.5 million guaranteed prize pool, which I believe they will probably shatter to the tune of 200%. There are mystery bounty prizes to be collected this coming Friday, which is very likely the day that you are downloading this episode, which, by the way, I hope you are downloading automatically because you are a subscriber. One of the best things you can do to help the podcast is make sure that you add us to your favorites and you subscribe. So this coming Friday, June 23rd, when this episode is released, I will be playing for the bounty prizes as well as the main prize pool. And I'm very excited to hopefully open my first ever envelope in a mystery bounty tournament. So root for me, follow me on Twitter at Clayton Comic, and you will be able to keep up with what's going on with me. I promise I will post a tweet if I happen to score one of the big quarter million dollar bounty prizes. I'm also excited because I just met my tag team partner. That's right, I'm recording this on Wednesday, June 21st, and tomorrow at noon Pacific time, I will be playing with Linger Longer, who won the first TPE free roll that was designed to pick a winner for our tag team bracelet event giveaway promotion that some of you were obviously involved in. And Andrew Linger Longer is the winner, and I met him tonight. Turns out he's also got ties to Baltimore, just like your boy. So we love the Orioles. We're going to be tag team partners, and I'm really hoping that when I'm playing day two of the Mystery Bounty Tournament, on the day this podcast is released, Friday, that Andrew is also playing day two, but of the tag team tournament, <laughs> because I won't be able to do that. So Andrew's going to have to cover for me on Friday if we get that far. But yeah, we're all very excited. I know Derek Tenbush is coming into town. Uh, we're waiting for his flight to land. We are going to have a great weekend. We're going to be mystery bounty hunting. We're going to be tag teaming. There's going to be a lot of excitement around here. I'm not going to be talking about controversies and cheating allegations. I'm going to let every other podcast in town go for the negativity. I'm going to stay positive. Speaking of positive, I want to thank you all for the very kind remarks 
about last week's podcast episode, which featured Nikki Limo and Caitlin Kameski, the girls from the Ace Holes podcast, which is probably a uh, winner of best podcast name ever. Uh, they're great. They are both really, really funny and terrific poker players and nice to talk to. And so, uh, yeah, I'm really glad we could get them on the podcast last week. Hoping I'm able to land some more super cool interviews for you guys in the next three weeks when I'm here. Of course, it is somewhat challenging sometimes to nail people down during the summer when everyone is so busy going for the gold. But I'll do my best, as you know I always do, for you and for me. So now, without further ado, let's get into the Mystery Bounty event. They have four starting days. I played the first one. Day 1A, this past Monday, June 19th. Now, many times on this podcast, I just like to isolate one or maybe two hands that we can discuss for strategy purposes. And I definitely want to do that today, but I'd like to get more hands in. So I might try to speed through these in a way that I might not normally do so, but I'll try to make sure you guys can keep up with the action. And of course, as always, put you in the driver's seat, but in all of the hands we talk, through on this episode, uh, the hero will be none other than yours truly, Clayton Fletcher, at Clayton Comic. Follow me on Twitter. All right, here we go. The blinds are 300, 600, and so this is pretty early on in the Mystery Bounty event. Uh, there is, of course, a 600 big blind ante bringing the pre-deal pot size to 1,500. Now, I have 49,000 at this point. Things have been going just great. You start this tournament with 30K, so I am already a good 65% above starting stack, and it's only the 300, 600, 600 level. So in this hand, uh, there is a very aggressive player on my right. He's in the cutoff in this hand, and I'm in the small blind, and he opens for the minimum to 1,200. And this loose, aggressive opponent has a stack size of 33,000 and the button folds and we are in the small blind holding the ace of hearts, queen of spades. So obviously we're not going to fold. The question is, do we want to flat call or do we want to go for the three bet here? I think personally for me, especially against this player type, this is a mandatory three bet. We don't necessarily want to play a pot from out of position against a loose aggressive opponent. So three betting gives us a chance to take it down right now. Um, but in the event that he does happen to call, I think that we have uh, plenty of hand to play with the ace queen off suit. I don't like flatting and inviting the big blind to flat as well for only 600 more and then have to play versus two opponents first to act with just ace queen off. I don't like that spot. I would much rather take the aggressive approach and I won't be sad if I take it down. My sizing here, he opened to 1,200. I made it 4,400, so not quite 4X his raised size. And I think that this is a pretty good sizing on my part from the small blind. Should be enough to chase the big blind from out of the pot. And if our aggressive opponent decides to call the three bet, it sets up a very good, very favorable SPR for a hand that is most likely to make one pair like ace-queen. So I'm very happy with this raise sizing, and I was also very happy when my opponent called the three bet, 
And I was even more happy when the flop came Ace of Diamonds, Nine of Hearts, Six of Diamonds. So Ace, Nine, Six with Two Diamonds and Hero with the Ace of Hearts, Queen of Spades. There's about 10,000 in the middle and Villain has only about 28,000 remaining in his stack, which gives him an SPR of right around 2.8-ish. So I'm very happy having top pair and an effective SPR of less than three. If you didn't know, that's the stack to pot ratio on the flop. And it's very important when you have a top pair type of hand, you don't want to be in a situation where your SPR is four, five, or six, because those are really hard SPRs to play. When you make one pair, it's just too many chips to get all in with comfortably, but it's also really hard to navigate without getting pot committed. So that's why we try to avoid that SPR round five with a hand like this one. So ace nine six with two diamonds, I've got top pair and a queen kicker and no possible flush for me. So what to do in this spot? I decided to get a little sneaky here. This is a really good flop for the three betters range. Um, being an ace high flop, I should have a lot of ace king, ace queen, even ace ace in my range, and I want to continuation bet on most flops having three bet pre-flop when there's an ace on the board. So the fact that I'm checking here is what you solver types out there might just call a low frequency play. I think it's especially good to do that in this situation because we have such a loose aggressive opponent. He might put me on pocket kings or pocket queens or pocket jacks or something and try to take this pot away from me. So that's why I checked, and I'm really hoping he puts a little bet in there. My opponent decides to oblige me, but I'm kind of disappointed in his sizing. He puts in 2,500, and the pot's right around 10K, so he's just betting a quarter of the pot. Well, this is just perfect for me. I decide to go ahead and check raise it. Remember, when we start with an SPR of 2.8, we are not trying to play pot control we're trying to get the chips in. With a pair of aces, top pair, and an SPR of under three, you are typically very happy to get the chips in. So that's what we wanna do here. We're hoping we're up against a hand like ace-jack, maybe ace-10 that got sticky pre-flop. Um, he could have a straight draw with eight-seven suited, maybe uh, a flush draw with any two diamonds. So he's got a lot of bluffs in his range and we're beating them all with our pair of aces, so we are not trying to check-raise-fold this flop. We are trying to get the chips in right now, if at all possible. So I make it 8K, and to my delight, my very loose and very aggressive opponent moves all in. I couldn't call fast enough. You know what, dude? If you can beat ace-queen right now, good for you. I'm happy to get this much of my stack in the middle versus this opponent holding this hand in a three-bet pot. And to my sheer delight, my opponent turned over the king of diamonds, eight of diamonds. So he had the nut flush draw, but not a whole lot else. I guess he has a few backdoor straight possibilities that could come in. But yeah, we are big favorites, probably around two to one in this spot. Our opponent has basically nine outs twice, and they did not come. I was a big stack from there, and we were off to the races. So I busted that player, and then in the next level, at the same table, 400, 800, 800, 
are the blinds and antes. And my stack has fluctuated a bit, but it's settled right around 60,000. And we've just come back from a break. So it's 400, 800, and I'm in third position. There are two players still on break who <laughs> kind of didn't take a short enough break. We're waiting for them to return to the table. They're not in the blinds or anything, but it kind of makes the normally nine-handed table you know, more shorthanded. I have a queen of clubs and jack of hearts in third position. Two folds to me. I decided to open. I made it 2K, 2.5X as the kids like to say. The only caller is a player on the button. He is from China. He has been speaking Chinese into his phone a little bit at the table in between hands, which you are not supposed to do. Let me clarify this rule right now for anyone interested. Uh, the rule is English only at the table, okay? There's another rule that says no cell phone calls at the table. So this guy was not only making cell phone calls, he was also speaking Mandarin. <laughs> anyway, uh, he calls the 2,000. He's got about 40,000 behind. He's not speaking Chinese right now. He's a very intense young player, maybe 25, 26 years old. Um, he's got an icy cold stare. He really likes to stare me down. This is not the first hand that we played together. Uh, he seems relatively straightforward, but I feel like there's a potential that he might go ballistic from time to time. In any event, he's incredibly intense in everything that he does. So he calls and no one else does. And now there is 6K in the pot. Hero with the Queen of Clubs, Jack of Hearts. And the flop comes Ace of Hearts, Ace of Clubs, Eight of Hearts. So Ace, Ace, Eight with two hearts. Uh, the solver will have us betting these flops quite a bit, probably pretty close to a pure bet here, maybe just a small amount to try to get a little value. Also, it works great as a bluff because I should have a lot more ace-x in my range than the caller in late position has in his range, right? If he had a strong ace, why wouldn't he three bet it? But I kind of went against the grain in this one and decided to check, and my plan was actually to go for a check raise on the flop. I felt like I had been c-betting so much at this table that my opponents would probably really notice if I didn't c-bet, like in a situation like this where it's pretty obvious I should be continuation betting quite often with the two aces on the flop. But I decided to check and I was hoping that my opponent would take the bait so that I could get the check raise in. I got a little greedy was hoping he would put a little something in there for me to steal. Uh, instead, my opponent decides to check behind, and now we're going to see a free turn card. So with still 6,000 in the middle, hero with the queen of clubs, jack of hearts, the turn comes the nine of diamonds. So our board is now ace of hearts, ace of clubs, eight of hearts, nine of diamonds. So we've got a gut shot to go along with whatever else we have going on with queen high. Uh, now I did decide to bet, and I kind of wanted action either in the form of a call or a raise. And you might say, well, Clayton, what's wrong with you? Don't you worry that your opponent has three aces? And my answer to that is, even if he does, I almost certainly have outs. And if he does have an ace, I know it's not a very strong ace. He doesn't have ace-king because he would have three-bet. 
He almost certainly would have 3-bet with Ace-Queen or even Ace-Jack, which, by the way, I block both of those hands. So the best hand he could possibly have is Ace-10, in which case it would be an absolute unmitigated disaster for me to make my straight on the river, giving my opponent a full house. I was really hoping he would represent a strong hand when I bet just 1,000 one-sixth of the 6K pot, I thought that my opponent might go for a bluff raise just because it just feels so weak. I checked the flop. He checked behind. Now I make this tiny little bet. What hand could I possibly have? So that's what I'm hoping it will look like to him. So I put in the 1K, and sure enough, my intense opponent makes it 3,200. I was very happy when he did this because I knew that I was going to almost certainly win a larger pot. I three bet bluffed to 8,100 and I was ready to put more chips in on a blank river because again, I just think I have so much more nuts in my range than he has in his. So in other words, even if he has a hand like ace six suited, let's say, uh, how happy is he going to be to put his whole stack in on the river when it's so obvious I'm representing a much stronger hand than that? I mean, maybe he'll find the call. Maybe he won't. But I'm going to put him to a tough decision one way or the other if he chooses to proceed after I three bet to 8,100. But my opponent shrugged and threw his cards away. At that point, I had about 150% of the average stack. So I was cruising right along, heading towards the dinner break. And then we got all in pre-flop versus a somewhat short stack. Again, I had ace-queen. This time my opponent had king-10. And, well, I lost a third of my stack <laughs> in that hand, which brought me right back to average. Uh, now it's time to talk about the Russian. There was a player at my table that could have been a character in a Brian Koppelman film. He was completely over the top. All that was missing was the Oreo cookies and whether or not he bites them when he's bluffing. <laughs> I mean, he was Russian. He had a very thick Russian accent. He had sunglasses that were dark and ridiculous. Gold frames, like absolutely ridiculous. He had a gold necklace. And you guys aren't going to believe me, but he was wearing a red Ferrari tracksuit. Can you picture this guy? And he's been playing almost every hand since he sat down at our table and winning most of them, obviously. <laughs> That's just what happens, right? I mean, you look like that. You act like that. He was a really slow tanker, um, very just annoying character who belonged in a movie or a play and certainly not at my table. Anyway, there he is. He's got over 100,000 at a time when the average stack was right around 65,000. So he is totally killing the game. He's two to my left. And so the player under the gun folds. And now in second position, our Russian friend makes it 2,300. At this point, the blinds are 500 and 1,000 with a 1,000 big blind ante. So he's making it 2.3x. The action folds to the button who calls with just 40,000 behind. So he starts with 40 big blinds and an M of around 16. So uh, the small blind folds and we are in the big blind holding the ace of diamonds, eight of clubs. 
and we've got an average stack of about 65,000. Uh, you could certainly three bet if you want to. I mean, this guy is playing just about every single hand. It's kind of ridiculous. Uh, the problem is the short-ish 40 big blind stack that called on the button. He's been a relatively solid player. I'm afraid he might be trapping with a big hand. I don't know that there are many calls in his range that aren't also going to continue to a three bet. I mean, yeah, I do have the ace blocker, which is always nice, but his very presence convinced me not to three bet pre-flop. Had it just been folded all the way to me, I would absolutely three bet this guy with just about any reasonable hand. Uh, instead, we call and we're going to see a flop three ways. We'll be out of position first to act with about 9,500 in the middle. Hero holding the ace of diamonds, eight of clubs. The flop comes ace of hearts, king of clubs, eight of hearts. So we've got top and bottom pair. And obviously, we're going to check to the initial raiser, not only because that's kind of what you do, but because he is so likely to see bet. This board favors his range way more than it favors anyone else's as the pre-flop raiser. So I check and the Russian fellow puts only 1,800 into the 9,500 pot, which is a very, very small C-bet and the button calls. Now we've got top and bottom pair and I'm not interested in calling. We're going up, I make it 12,500, a large raise to be sure. I'm trying to get heads up with my Russian friend. I'm trying to get the button out of our pot. I want to charge any flush draws. Remember, we don't have a heart, and there are two hearts on the board. So let's go. I make it 12-5, and the Russian player shoves. And now <laughs> the button folds, and it's up to me. Do we want to put him on better than ace-8? Well, certainly, he could have ace-king in his range. He also has ace-ace, king-king, and even the unlikely 8-8 eight, eight in his range as well. Uh, there are things to fear, but I didn't make it 12-5 to fold. I'm not folding. I'm in there. Let's go. I call for all my chips with top and bottom pair, and my Russian friend turns over ace-9. How beautiful is this? Well, the turn is another king, and the river's a 9, so it's a chop pot. I had him right where I wanted him, but no, chop pot. All right, one last hand before dinner. The last level before dinner, there were about 150 players left out of the 300 or so who had bought in at that point. Registration is open through the dinner break. And at that point, the average was you know right around 60,000. We had about 77-ish in our stack. When the next hand happened, 600, 1,200 with a 1200 big blind ante. And the details of this hand are fuzzy, but against that same Russian player, I got involved in a pretty big pot where there was a possible straight on the board and I had top pair. I had king, queen, and the board had a king, a 10, and a nine, and then a couple of bricks on it. So there was one possible straight, queen, jack, and holding a queen in my hand and knowing how aggressive this ridiculous Ferrari sweatsuit wearing guy was, I couldn't get away from it. And sure enough, he did have the straight and that cost me a lot. That cost me dearly. We were about to go to dinner with an average stack and instead with the average around 70,000, we went to dinner with just 
24,000 chips. So about a third of an average stack. So I spent most of my dinner break telling me I still played well. Um, he's very likely to bluff with all kinds of combos. Top pair against this guy is usually good and you have to be able to call them down. You can't let aggressive players bully you. So uh, I cheered myself up a little bit and then came back from dinner break. And during the dinner break, another thing I told myself was I could probably just play carefully for the rest of the day and give myself a reasonable chance of min raising. But you know what, guys? I don't play mystery bounty tournaments to try to min cash them. I play for the glory that comes with opening an envelope inside of which is anywhere from $500 to $250,000 United States dollars. That's what I'm here for. So I told myself during dinner break, don't go back there and try to eke your way into the money. We've got If we've got a spot, take the spot and try to get the stack that you want to have on day two. So that was my philosophy. That was my thinking. And that was my self-affirmation. Also, look, there are three more starting days. I can play this tournament every day, except, of course, Thursday the 22nd. I would not be able to play the Mystery Bounty at the win because I'll be playing the Tag Team event because America's Card Room is such a generous sponsor of this podcast that they actually gave away buy-ins to the Tag Team event to two, not one, but two of our lucky listeners. So special thanks to America's Card Room. And by the way, guys, if you're not yet on ACR, all you have to do is click the link in the description of this podcast and you can get a first-time deposit bonus of 100% up to $2,000 just by clicking the link in the description and then using the promo code TPE. Do it now. You'll be glad you did. All right, so we're back from dinner break, and now my table is joined by this player who's pretty good. His name is Alex Foxen. And I just want to tell you guys, if you've never been in the presence of Alex Foxen, it is just that. There's a presence to him. He's a very large man. First of all, he's got a quiet, at-ease sort of confidence. He doesn't ever seem stressed or worried. He just seems like he's playing poker as well as he can, and he doesn't really care about the results. And I'm sure you probably know he's won millions and millions of dollars playing the great game of No Limit Hold'em, so why should he care about the results at this point? But yeah, I didn't feel like he was ever stressed out about anything like he thought long and hard about some of his decisions, but I don't think any of them caused him any emotions. And I think that that might be one of the secrets to being really great at this game is you just have to make the best decisions you can. And if you're going to stress, stress about the decisions you have, not the results of those decisions. Anyway, uh, at that point, after giving myself that pep talk and coming back to my table and there's, Alex Foxen, <laughs> I just, uh, I try not to be too intimidated by him. I tried to play around him. The good news was he had a short stack, so he really couldn't get too involved in too many pots. Uh, he played a very good and proper short stack strategy. I myself was on a very short stack, and I stole the blinds a few times. I think I came back from dinner to an M of six. Yeah, I really didn't have too many moves. I could either go all in or just uh, min-raise planning to go with it a lot. And so I did just that in several different spots with my 15 big blind stack or whatever it was. And I built it up. Okay. 
At that point, I got into a coin flip. So I had half an average stack and pocket jacks, and it was go time. The blinds had moved up to 1K, 2K, and I had an M of, I think, seven at that point, maybe eight. Somebody opened, I shoved, and it folded back to the big blind who called with ace-queen, and I won the coin flip to, to have an average stack with about 110 players remaining in the mystery bounty day 1A. So yeah, I had gotten my chips back. I was feeling great. And now we're going to play another hand against that same Russian opponent who this time raises under the gun to 4,500. The action folds all the way to me in the small blind with the ace of spades, ace of hearts. At this point, we have about an average stack of about 40 big blinds. And he made it 4,500. I'm in the small blind with the nuts. And I raised to 16,500. The big blind folds and my Russian friend tanks. Now this guy tanks a lot. So this tank didn't mean anything. But I felt like he had an actual decision. And he's tanking and he's tanking. And then he finally makes the call. So we're going to see a flop. Heads up from out of position against one of the most aggressive and ridiculous Russian villains I've ever seen at the poker table or anywhere else. The pot is now 36K and our opponent has us covered. We have the effective stack of 69K for an SPR of approximately two. And the flop comes King of Spades, Six of Diamonds, Deuce of Spades, Hero holding the Ace of Spades, Ace of Hearts, and having three bet pre-flop, I think this is a mandatory C-bet spot. Our opponent could have a king. That would be a great scenario. Uh, he could also be a non-believer with a hand like pocket tens, pocket nines. Uh, he's very loose. Even though I made it 4x his original raise, that doesn't mean that he necessarily has a very big hand himself. He's loose. So I down bet, as we used to say, after having made it 16,500, I put in a C-bet of 10,000 and I was hoping to get raised. Uh, the Russian guy thinks about it for a while. He plays with his chips for a while. He tries to look scary for a while. He stares at me for a while. Then he finally makes the call. And now with 56,000 in the middle, and I have just about that much left behind, so about a pot size bet left, the turn comes the eight of spades, giving us a flush draw on the king, six, deuce, eight board with three spades. We have the ace of spades and the ace of hearts. And I bet again, I really want my opponent to have a king, but I want to make sure he can call with worse than that. So into the 56,000 pot, I decided to put another small bet, just 18K, which should make it very easy for me to get all in on the river, by the way, if my opponent decides to call right now. I notice when I start with an SPR of two, at no point am I considering folding my hand, making some kind of tough hero lay down or something like that. No, we're going to go. So I put in 18K and he shoves. <laughs> now it's all in to call. I don't know, guys. I've got the ace of spades. So even if my pocket aces are somehow no good, I do have that flush draw to fall back on. And against this guy, there is no chance I can throw it away. I call my opponent shows pocket sixes 
and my tournament life is at risk. I need an ace or a spade that doesn't pair the board. And the river was the four of spades. A little while later, right towards the very end of the day, I called a raise from the big blind with jack nine of hearts, jack nine suited, flopped a flush, and got all in against top pair drawing virtually dead. So that's how everything went from just 24,000 to 422,000 in the space of about three hours. So what an ending to my day 1A, and I cannot wait to go back and play day two of the Win Summer Classic Mystery Bounty $2.5 million guaranteed championship on the same day that this podcast is released. Hopefully we're also still in the tag team event and Andrew is holding it down for us back at the Horseshoe. That's going to do it for this episode, you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, it would mean a lot if you could rate and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you might happen to be listening to this. It just helps us so much as more and more people decide they want to be poker podcasters. We want to keep our standing towards the top of the overall rankings. So that's something you can do for free to help the podcast. Also, get at me on the TPE Discord. There's a link in the description of this podcast. You can join and talk to us about the World Series, about poker in general, about ACR, about anything else you might be interested in. And so, for everyone here at Tournament Poker Edge, and with special thanks, as always, to our very generous sponsor, America's Card Room, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah.